Amen. All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Come on. Hey, uh, before we get started, I want to say something. Um, if, if you followed the news at all, you kind of know what's happening in the Middle East. And I'm going to make a statement. I normally don't make statements like this from this position. Uh, but do you guys know we are grafted into God's family? Unless you were born Hebrew, then in fact, if you were born Hebrew, you were actually born into his family. How many of y'all know that? Like, Israel, Israelites are not just Jewish, they're Hebrews. And so, if you're an Israelite, born Israelite, and you have Hebrew ancestry, you are born into God's family. He says, you are my people. We can look into the word and find that. And because of that stance, my loyalty stands, and West Des Moines Open Bible's loyalty stands with Israel. And we should be praying for the favor of God and for the hand of God to be over Israel in a time of turmoil. It's not a land fight. It's, it's, a spirit, it's a physical fight over religion. And they've made statements, Hamas is a terrorist group that's made statements saying, unless every Jewish person is dead, we haven't accomplished our goal. Right now, in front of God, in front of live TV, whatever you want to call it, internet, whatever, we stand with Israel. And we pray that the Lord has His will done. The, the land was given to Israel back when not Moses crossed, but Joshua crossed. But the land was given back when Moses got the word. It just wasn't theirs yet. And so, uh, that said, I'm, I'm done there. Let's be a little bit more lighthearted. Let's talk about the Waymaker. <laughs> Miracle Waka. <laughs> Promise Keeper. You know? Come on now. Thank you. Oh, she was preaching. Come on. How many of y'all want that? Come on. We got the Miracle Waka, the Promise Keeper. I love you. Oh, man, she went Southern Baptist real quick, and she corrected herself. Never correct yourself again. Stick with it. Keep it going. You got, you're on a motion and a movement of God, and when you do that and you correct yourself, you stop something that lo the Lord's wanting to do. He wants to create something through your waka. You know, he wants to create something. He's going forward. We got to move forward. Hey, this morning, uh, I like that we got to move forward. Um, as we, as we move forward in our arcade series, the games Christians ought not to play, right? Because that's how I changed it last week. It's, it's the things that we shouldn't do. We should become more aware of what God is doing and less aware of what's happening necessarily in the world around us, but more aware of what the Holy Spirit's doing around us and less aware of what the world wants us to see. Now that's a hard thing to understand and actually do okay when we're walking on this planet we have to have spiritual eyes before our world eyes 
because we need to see what God's doing in the spiritual realm, not what is happening around us in this worldly realm. Because when we're looking through the spiritual eyes and not the worldly eyes, we stop the judgment and we start proclaiming His goodness. And so with that, this week, I want to talk about fixing things. We're going to talk about the fix-it game. How many of you have a hard time not interrupting someone's life with the fix? Man, someone comes up to you and they, they, they just need a shoulder to cry on and, and they tell you all their problems and you go, oh, I know, I got the fix. I got you. All you got to do, let me tell you what you got to do. Let me, let me go to the grocery store for you this moment. Let me go do this for you in this moment. And the thing is that sometimes the Holy Spirit's not directing you to fix their problem. Have we ever fallen into that where the Holy Spirit says, I'm not here to fix their problem today. I'm here to listen to them. See, I want to dive into that game. In 1 Peter 5, verse 1, it says this. It says, and now, everybody say, and now. Oh, we continuing from last week, aren't we? Right now. No procrastination game. We got to do it now. So right now, right now, and now, a word to you who are elders in the church. Anyone that's been in the church for over five years, you know, you are an elder. You ought to, you ought to be digging into the word on your own. You ought to be getting fed throughout the week on your own. You shouldn't be coming to church to go, how can I get fed? You should be coming to church going, how can I serve the Lord? How can I go out from here? How can I get my encouragement so I can continue fighting? I'm with my brothers and sisters. Sorry, my brothers and sisters. I'm with my brothers and sisters because because God wants to create something through us, not just me. He wants to help us move forward but they aren't here to give me the fix. You know? Like if you're, if you're a new believer, and I said five years, man, some of us, it's a little, we're, we're stunted, you know? I was, I was 12, I'm thir- 39, 39 now? Man, we'll just say it's close to uh, 30 years I've been a Christian, because math's hard, you know? It's really 27, but you know, who's counting? I've been a Christian for around 27 years, and the thing is that sometimes I even find myself in that place where I have to go get food from someone else. And it's wrong. I should know better. I shouldn't want to get the fix from somebody else who's who's spiritually giving me the food. I should want to get the fix through the Word of God who's given me the power and the authority to have the revelation and listen to Him and hear Him clear and be able to hear what He has for my life. But I go to someone else. I'm like, hey, Stephen Furtick, what you got for me today? You know? I don't need Stephen Furtick in my life. Someone's like, "Uh uh-huh, I heard that. He is so wrong. You know? Someone's saying, you need a Bill Johnson in your life. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's see. Let's see. Someone name a pastor that they like. What's that? Chuck Swindoll. Ben needs some Chuck Swindoll in his life. I like the other one that I heard. Ben Carlson. Ben Carlson needs some Ben Carlson in his life. That's a tough one, and that's hard, okay? I, I don't like listening to myself. Um, but that's the thing. Like, we aren't here as elders of the church 
I'm speaking to you that are five plus years in faith. We shouldn't need the food to come primarily from the church. We should find the food in our own kitchens. We should find the food in our own Bibles. Wherever your Bible is, is where you should find food. And most of us have it on our hip. The food is coming from my hip right here on my cell phone. Right? The food is coming from, from this Bible. From the, and it's not even that it's the cell phone. It's the words that appear on the screen. How many of us are, are willing to admit that we don't get into the Word enough to be considered elders? Right? Man, I want to be that elder. I want to be in the Word. I want to be praying. I want to be going after Jesus because I don't want someone else coming to fix my problem. How many of y'all are sitting there going, man, I want, I want a problem fixer in my life outside of Jesus? No one? No? That's good news. That's good news. Because I want Jesus to be my problem fixer. I want the Holy Spirit to come in and pave the way. Because when the Holy Spirit paves the way, the hills look much less. There's still hills, but man, I'm walking on the wings of the Holy Spirit. I'm walking on the, the, foot, the feet of Christ, and He's carrying me because I'm a daughter or a son, and I'm dancing with Jesus up this hill. I'm not, I'm not here to, to rely on the elders of the church, but the elders of the church are also, check this out, I too am an elder, come on, and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I too will share in His glory when He is revealed to the whole world. I might be an elder now, and I'm going to share with anyone who's not the glory of God when He comes. We are all ending with the same Thing if we believe in Jesus Christ and accept Him for who He is. We are going to end with the same glory. The same truth will ring out. And he's stating that. Peter's stating that right here. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly and not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over people assigned to your care, but lead them to your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Someone's like, Ben, you need to read that again for yourself. I st- <laughs> Come on, Andrea. That's good. I heard that. Laughter is good for the soul. But the reality is, not, not am I only supposed to read that again for myself, but we should read that for ourselves. Because God has put people in your area that are your flock. It doesn't matter if you have a church here in four walls called West Des Moines Open Bible and you're the leader. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're at a grocery store and you're a cashier. There are people in your flock. Who is in your flock that you're supposed to serve? Who is it that we are supposed to serve as, as God leads us? And here's the thing. When I read this, I was like, man, God, you want us to serve? I thought we were playing the fix-it game. Like, we don't play that no more. We don't play that fix-it game no more. Because sometimes care in human eyes looks like fixing their problem. But care in human eyes is wrong. Care in the spiritual eyes is not fixing their problem, but helping walk through with their problem. We aren't called to fix the problem. We're called to be someone to lean on. 
We're not called to fix the pain and the hurt and the torment in their lives. We're called to walk with them. At times, we become the crutch so that they can get through the season. But we continue to encourage them and love them. We continue to reflect them back to hope. And, and in 5 through 7, it says this it says, In the same way, you who are, who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. How many of y'all hate authority? Yep. You got to get over that. You know, and, 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 hey, you are proud. You are loud and proud, right? You're like, ah, that's me. I'm, I hate authority. Get behind me, authority. You know? Here's the reality. Authority is good in our life if it's helping us grow. Authority is good in our life if it's rubbing us the wrong way a little bit. Because when it rubs us the wrong way, that wrong way, if we're looking in the mirror, we go, oh, wow. I didn't realize that about myself, that I can become somebody God has not called, that God has called me to be and stop being the person God hasn't called me to be. God has called me to be loving even to the people that rub you the wrong way, even to the authority you hate. You know what I'm saying? Like how many of us have a boss we just do not get along with? Or you can remember a boss that you just didn't get along with. If someone in this room has never had a boss you didn't get along with, Man, I need to hang, around, hang out with you more, you know? I remember this boss, and I, I figured it out. Maybe it's because I'm a, a male chauvinistic pig, but I figured it out. And I deny being that person because the person that I was, was I was having a hard time with a female boss. And I realized it's, it's a pattern, and all of a sudden when I realized it, I said, Lord, why is this? And he said, well, it's not that you're called to be that. I'm calling you out of that. They're your boss. Respect them. Give them love. Give them, give them that hope and that faith that you carry. Like, it's not about their gender. It's about you, Ben. Right? And so I had to realize that and I had to bring that in. And there were times in the church where I was serving that the pastor was over here and he got all the respect for me and then the pastor's wife came and yelled at me for something I didn't even know I didn't do. And I had to respect that and I had to love that and I had to care for that and I had to honor that. Not because she was the pastor's wife, but because she had a position that was over me. And I had to care for that because the Lord had changed me. Now, did I grumble under my voice? Maybe. We don't have to go there. But I learned what it meant over the two years I worked there that, oh, let's love this person with our attitude and our works and let's care for them. If they say do something, do it. Even if it's not in your, in your job description, do it. Even when you don't realize they need it done, do it. Get it done. It was a hard lesson to learn. It took a lot of beating me into my senses. Like, Jesus, I need you there. We get in those seasons where we have to do that, but no one could fix that but me. A.K.A. Jesus talking to me. The Holy Spirit leading me. But no one could choose to follow the Holy Spirit into that pattern, into that life, except for me. No one can force you into a life with Christ but you. If someone's forcing you in, I guarantee you're going to turn and try to run. Why? 
most of the time, let's say most of the time, if someone's trying to force you in, most of the time you're going to turn and run at some point in your life because you don't want what's been forced on you. It's like green beans. Peas. Whatever vegetable your parents tried to force you to eat. Squash, come on now. Sorry. Squash. Zucchini. Come on now. You know, I'll eat the bacon on the squash, but I will not eat that squash. You know? Give me that bacon. But it's like, it's like those vegetables that parents tried to force us to eat and they made us take thank you portions every time they showed up. And you had to eat all of your thank you portion. And sometimes your parents gave you your thank you portion and it was way too big. But they forced you to eat it. How many of y'all love those vegetables now? Okay, you're weird. I won't touch it. Coconut, pineapple, squash. Oh, man, good for you. Not me. Mm-mm. But green beans and peas, I'll eat. I'll eat peas all day. Yum. Oh, my goodness. My parents didn't force me to eat those all the time. And when they did, I was like, I actually enjoy these. I would eat pots of peas. Maybe pods of peas. It depends if I was in the garden or not, you know. But God has called us not to be forced into something, not to be forced to fix our issue, but he wants to fix our issue as long as we're willing. You know, isn't that the good thing about God? Because he came and he gave us that free will that we can choose not to be fixed. Like, Lord, I'm good. I like my pain. That is literally what we say when we say, Lord, I don't want to take the steps that it takes to fix the issue at hand. It's okay. Hey, God still loves you. I might hate you a little. Just kidding. Just kidding. Love God and people well, Ben. Come on. But God still loves you no matter what. The one that matters still loves you. The one who doesn't judge you till the end of days still loves you, still cares for you, still guides you, still directs you, still gives you his presence, still allows you to work with his Holy Spirit, still gives you the freedom of Jesus Christ out of the grave, not on the cross. He still gives you all of that, even though. So, we stopped at elders, right? Because we we don't like elders, or we don't like authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility. How many of y'all like getting dressed in the morning? Come on. No one. That's weird. Uh, Thank you, Andrea. She's like, I do, I do. I like being dressed in the morning. When I'm dressed in the morning, all of a sudden work starts happening. I'm like, let's get it. Come on now. Let's go for that bike ride. Oh, get home. Let's get in the shower and get ready for the day. Oh, got to go to work. Got to get this done. Got to get that done. Oh, regional time. Let's get some of that done. We got a lot of things to do. Let's get it done. Come on now. Because it's when we get dressed and we're ready that we're absolutely ready to do the things that God has done. It's because when we get ready and when we look forward to getting ready that we can clothe ourselves in the spiritual humility that he wants from us so that we can relate to one another. How many of y'all are like satisfied with where you're at and where you're going and if someone comes and interrupts that, you're upset? No, that's not what it's about. It's about being uncomfortable 
enough to put God's clothes on. It's about being so uncomfortable that you're willing to put the the clothing of the Holy Spirit on so that when you walk out, you can be who God's called you to be, not who you think you should be. Let me rephrase that. It's not about what we think we should be. It's not about what Ben thinks he should be. It's about what God has called me to be. Come on. Rephrase that. Put your name in for what you shouldn't be and put God's name in it for what you should be. What has God called you into? How has he moved you? How has he molded you? How is he molding you? How is he changing you? Now, think, how are your friends trying to change you? Is it with the Spirit at the forefront or is it with their agenda at the forefront? Because oftentimes Christians, listen up, followers of Christ, listen up, when we want to fix someone, it's because it's our agenda. I want to get it fixed so they stop bothering me. I want them fixed, you know, and sometimes we hide it with, I want them fixed so they stop hurting. Because their hurting is knowing. Am I just speaking out of my own personal thing? I am so sorry. Man, would you rub some dirt on that? Now there's some things that that you just don't rub dirt on, and I understand that, and I'm all compassionate when it comes to those things. Man, I get it. I get it. You just need time. You need time in the Lord. You need time with Jesus. You need time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You need time with Him so He can tie off what needs to be tied off and sew up what needs to be sewed up, and He needs to mend what needs to be mended. Because, check it out, I love this new song. I'm going to finish the scripture, and then I'm going to read the song. Um, I'm all over the place. Uh, We need to relate to everybody, but God oppresses the proud and, and he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. In our humility, we find healing in Christ and give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. He cares about you. There's this song and it goes something like this. There are just some problems God can't, or God Sorry, there are just some problems only God can fix. There will be some moments that just don't make sense. I've seen it happen time and time again. There are just problems only God can fix. There are just some battles flesh and blood can't win. There are just some moments that just don't make sense. I, can, I can't see it now, but I'm still convinced. There are just some problems only God can fix. Not by power, not by might, by the Spirit of the living Spirit. By the Spirit of the living God. Not my battle, not my fight, but by the Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. Not my battle, not my fight. Someone needs to hear that for somebody else. You've taken on their battle, you've taken on their fight, but it's not your battle, it's not your fight. It's not their battle, it's not their fight. It's God's fight. It's His problem. It's His, His fix. It's a God problem. But we try to come in and go, oh, God's not doing it quick enough, let me do it. And that's not our intention. But we play that game anyway. We've walked into this arcade of life and we start playing the fix-it game. Instead, we become the Wreck-It Ralph game. Come on. If you've seen Wreck-It Ralph, we're almost like the Donkey Kong game. You know? We're almost like Pac-Man, but the little ghosts are good people. We need them to eat us up, not us eat them up. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Like God has called us into something and we take His problems and go, oh, this is my problem today. What? That doesn't make any sense. We aren't called to be the growth of others. Rather, we're called to be the plant that's sitting next to the seed that's getting ready to grow. You've already sprouted up through the dirt, the mire, and the grime, and now you get to be the encouragement. Come on, seed. Let's grow. Come on, plant. Let's get up out of the ground. Come on, plant. You've got this. Come on, plant. I'm right here. I'm right here. I can't give you the water and the fuel you need to grow, but I can give you the words of encouragement that you need to stay with it. I can teach you that faith, hope, and love will never end, and the greatest of those is love, but hey, guess what? Faith and hope will never end. When you're found in a dark season, I can tell you, have faith and hope because it doesn't end. It's not today. You still have tomorrow. You still have the next day. You still have it. I'm not here to fix your problem. I'm here to encourage you and help you move. I can't fix your problem. How many people are fix-it-nows? Too bad. It's not going to happen. How many of us literally want things right now? I love it because Taylor, Taylor gave us a little message this morning. It was awesome. He gave us this little message and he said something that I know I've said before. I know I've said it before. I forget what it is because my mind is blank now. Come on, Lord. But he said, how many of us are in the right now season? i got to grab my phone. Will you get my phone for me? Check this out. Somebody, just yell anything. Well, I don't know how to praise God, so I'm going to go, how do I praise God? Oh, wow. Seven things to do to praise God. And this is just the seven that showed up. I'm not hitting the link. Right now, I have an answer for you. How do you praise God? Well, you start your day with him. Sweet. Steve, come on, let's go. Pray intentionally. All right? I don't know who's out there. Let's pray. Why isn't anyone encouraging me? Why isn't anyone saying, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, you got to praise him. Jesus. Praise his glory. You just went to something that gives you the answer now without doing the work to find the answer through Jesus. We are a right now kind of people. Now, thankfully, I know if I were to do this, I would be like, praise Jesus. Come on, I'm going to pray intentionally to Christ. I'm going to ask him to come down. I'm going to write down the things that I'm thankful for because Jesus has made them possible. Now, I'm going to notice my complaints and I'm going to turn them into praise. Let's flip that flow. Come on now. We're going to turn our complaints to praise. Lord, I thank you for this trial. I thank you for what's going on. And as I do that, I start to sprout up and I come out of the ground and I start to grow things called leaves and branches. And as I grow the leaves and branches, because I've come from the ground into the vine, I've noticed that Jesus has asked me to join his vine. And I've said, Lord, come into my life. Walk with me. You know what that's called? That's called discipleship. somebody got to be with me. Somebody's got to be with me. Somebody's got to be working with me. Someone's got to be walking with me. Not fixing my issues, but leading me. Directing me. Asking me questions so that when I answer them, I know I own that answer. 
I don't want your answers. Man, how many of us have ever said, man, I don't want your fixes? Because an answer is a reason to fix it, right? Like, man, I'll tell you what you ought to do. Anyone ever say that at work? This is how you do it. You ever say that at work? You ever say that at work? Let me tell you how to do it. You don't know what you're doing. Anybody say that at work? I have a question. What's better, telling them how to do it or asking them how they would do it and letting them fail? Let them fail. Why? Because we learn greater from our failures than we do our, our without a problem-ish times. Oh, they gave me the answer. I can just walk on in. Oh, this is pretty great. I felt like somebody I work with when I did that. But that's real. If you ever want to know who I work with, uh, go see Tom at Bike World. Hmm. He does that. I love him. But that's real. We get the answers, right? Instead of figuring it out on my own. If I want to work on my bike, do I take it to the mechanic or do I go work on it? If I want to know how to do what I'm doing. If I want to know how, how to work on my truck, do I take it to a mechanic or do I get a book and start reading about it and do the research and go work on it myself? I mean, it'd be, it'd be awesome if I just opened up the Word of God and I started reading it and then I said, okay, I'm going to let someone else do all this. Isn't that what we do as Christians? Man, I'm going to go throughout my week not reading the Word of God, not implementing it, but I'm going to go and find out what it says and then I'm going to expect someone else to do it. I'm going to go to church. Did I hit a sore note? I might be hitting sore notes all day. Come on now. It's like swishing threes from the, from the half court line. You know? I can't do that in real life, but preaching, boy, if I can rub you the wrong way, that's a three-pointer. Well, I'm winning. Here's the thing. Sometimes when we try to fix, or sometimes when we try to be the fix, we can become the smothering and become not helpful at all. We want to be the fix so bad. We have the answer so bad. I got the answer for you. I got, oh, oh man, Red, if you would just listen to me, man, I got the answer. Uh, man, I don't want your answer. Two minutes later, Red, you don't know I got the answer, bro. If you just, no, man, I don't want to hear that you just. If I just would start praising God and praying, Hey, Red, you need anything, you just lean on me, bro. you got to be 100% clear with me what you need, though, because I'm dumb. Not dumb. I'm not. Here's the thing. I don't realize what's going on around me. I really have realized that I don't know who's mocking me and who isn't. You know? It's real. You can mock me all day. I will laugh hysterically. I'll be like, I feel like I'm at home. Come on now. Someone will be like, I'm not trying to be their friend. I'm trying to get them away from me. Yeah. And I become closer. Thank you, Jesus. Bless up. You know? <laughs> Jesus has called us to be those people that don't care if people are mocking us, but we're just saying, Lord, I just give you the praise and the glory because when they mock me, I get closer to them. When they mock me, I become someone they can lean on because in the least of days, in the least of these, when they need someone and they've gone to everyone and they haven't found someone to lean on and all of a sudden they're like, Ben, I don't know who else to go to. I'm going to tell you my problem. And I go, okay. And I sit there and I ride a bike next to them. It's real. 
It's real in my life. When you're sitting there and you're pounding away at something with a hammer, it's real. And they finally come to you. They've been mocking you this whole time and then they find a respect for you because you didn't hate the mocking. You enjoyed their presence even though you were being mocked. You put yourself behind and put Jesus at the forefront. They start telling you their problem and all of a sudden you just ask them a question. You don't tell them the fix. You just say, hmm, I don't know how that feels, so what do you think you should do? I don't have the fix for you. But maybe there's a direction here. Do you know what that is? Man, I don't have the fix. But how do you think someone else would get through this? Jesus oftentimes, man, I'm not even close to being done. This is good. Jesus oftentimes didn't tell people how to fix it or what was going on. He oftentimes asked questions. In Matthew 7, it says this. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. I think I have to say this. I made a note. Isn't fixing an issue where you're not invited to fix it judging? Isn't fixing an issue that you weren't invited to? Man, but Ben, they came to me and they started telling me their issue. Yeah, good for them. They didn't ask you to fix it. They told you their issue. They didn't go, hey, what would you do? How would you handle this? They just told you their issue. And then they stepped away and they went to someone else to find the fixer. They went to Jesus and they opened their word and said, I'm going to find this on my own. Lord, I'm looking through your word. I don't see how to fix this. What should I do? Oh, man, someone's mocking me. Now, David, I see it. It's right there. David had spears thrown at him. What did he do? Oh, man, what did David do? Why didn't he throw those spears back? Man, Saul threw those spears at him. David did nothing. He did nothing to deserve those spears thrown at him. He was playing music. The question I would have is, Lord, why did you put, why did you put that tormenting spirit on Saul and almost kill me? But you didn't. But you didn't. Lord, I pray for the person who's throwing the spears at me and the tormenting spirit that you allowed on their life because, Lord, you put that there. I pray that you would free them, that you would release that spirit. If you want to check me on that, God put the tormenting spirit on King Saul, not Satan. Check it. Go back in Scripture. Find it. But the reality is, is at that moment, we have to put the pieces together and go, Lord, they might, they might be coming to me sharing their heart. I'll direct them to Scripture. Have you opened your word? Ah, see, I didn't tell them. I didn't tell them. Have you prayed? I hate that one. Anybody? Have you prayed about it? Ah, yes! Go do some more. You know? That's me. I'll go do some more. Have you opened your word about it? Have you seen what the Bible says? Does it say? What's in there? What are the secrets of the Word of God? How can I implement this in my life? Lord, I see the physical spear. Does it really mean words? Does it really mean mockery? Does it really mean anything that could be life-threatening? What am I to do? It's funny because our fix isn't found 
in the answers of people, but in the answers of Christ. In the answers of God. In his word. And we can't be those judgmental people that come in and try to fix people's issues. Verse 2 says, For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So if you're out fixing people's issues, guess what? Expect someone to come fix yours. I, when I was doing research on this, I saw, oh, there's that plank, that plank in, in my eye, and the speck in theirs. Man, I got this big old plank, but I can fix your issue. I see that you got a speck. I'm blinded. You can partially see, but let me tell you how to fix that. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense, right, Toby? I ask him because he has one eye. He doesn't even have an eye. Therefore, that plank can't be in that eye. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and he still sees good. Come on now. Oh, man, he's 50-50. <laughs> oh, God is so good that he would give us these words. And the standard in which we judge, we will be judged. In verse 3 it says, and why worry about a speck in your friend? Here it is. I didn't even know I put it. I was tired. A speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own. How? This is Jesus talking. Listen to this. Listen to this. Because verse 4, he says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye. When you can't even see past the log in your own. That's a question. He didn't tell him, you can't do that. He said, let me ask you a question. He didn't say, hey, that's not the way to fix it. Let me ask, he said, let me ask you a question. Anybody? Anybody relate to that? Like, like when someone asks you a question, it hurts more than when someone tells you to fix it. Yeah, you didn't want the fix, but you got the question. And the question didn't feel like a fix because it wasn't a fix. It was a direction. How many of us have been asked a question and we don't have an answer for it? That's good. Because we're going to start walking. We're going to start walking down that path. We, we should start walking down that path. When someone asks you a question, I hate it. I, I hate it when Lola tells me this, but... She hates it even more. So she'll ask me a question, right? And I know she's smart enough to get the answer, so I ask her a question back to answer her question. Someone says, oh, no. Are you not smart enough? Are you not capable? Can you not handle the word of God when, God, when you ask God a question and he asks you a question back to help you get in the direction because he wants you to own your answer and not just borrow it? Because a borrower always gives something back. Can I be saved? Yes, you can. Sweet. Giving it back. How many of us have walked our lives like that? That they didn't really mean the answer. They just borrowed it from a friend and then gave it back. Even in salvation, we pray the prayer. I'm going to borrow your prayer. I'm done with it. I'm good. Do-do-do doing my own thing, not following the Lord. That's a severe case, right? But how many of us have ever found us, ourselves in a situation, we borrowed the advice of somebody, we went through with their advice, 
It was good for a season. We got two days free of the torment, the pain, the suffering, and then all of a sudden, it comes rushing back because we forgot their advice. It's not good to borrow the answer from someone else. It's good to find it on our own because Jesus wants to lead us there. The Holy Spirit is here to direct us. Plug in to the Spirit of God. Plug in to who He is. Plug in to the Word of God. Plug in to the prayer life. Wait on His answer. Check this out. I love this. I actually wrote that down. That's another thing Taylor said right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not even read the rest of the scripture. Here's Proverbs 3, verse 5. It says this. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. How many of us have so much lack of understanding when it comes to the Lord and when it comes to this life and we just don't get it and we just don't understand, but we are to wait on the Lord for His understanding. And even when He gives you understanding, guess what? It will not be complete. There's still more to understand. Until the day we are with Him in heaven, we will always have an incomplete understanding. Are we good with that? So you that want to play the fix-it game, you don't even get what's going on in their life because they're not you. I can speak on this because my wife, when we are early on in marriage, she goes, I don't want you to fix it. And I would always try to fix it. I was a fixer. Come on, I got your problem. I can make you better. It's kind of true. Just being. Because that's what marriage is. We're here to improve each other just by being, not by directing them and telling them exactly where they need to be. Right? It's the same thing with our relationships outside our marriage. If, if we're having friendships that come to us, it's not our job to fix them. Man, I got the answer for you. Mm, let me tell you, his name is Jesus. That might be true, but they might not be ready. Come on. How many of us have played the fix-it game so much that we don't wait on the patience? What if we were directed on all the issues that we have and that other people have to pray and be patient? Could we do it? Could we stick with them through it? Can we stick with ourselves through it? Because I got news for you. Faith, hope, and love will last forever. The greatest of these is love. But faith, hope, and love, they don't die. They last forever and ever and ever. And I think sometimes when we read that portion of Scripture, I believe that's in 1 Corinthians 13, when we read that portion of Scripture, all we think is, this is the love chapter. This isn't about faith and hope. But guess what? Faith and hope don't die. The faith you should have in Christ for the hope that you have through your situation should be real. Because He's loving you through it and so will people around you. Will we be, will we be the people that love rather than fix? Will we be the people that encourage to faith and hope in Christ rather than try to fix the issue? Will we be the people that go, you know what, I see you taking that pill. It is okay. Until Jesus decides to free them from whatever they're taking the pill for. And he might not. Are we okay when he doesn't answer our prayer? I know Garth Brooks is. Someone not a country fan in here, except for maybe one. He has a song called Unanswered Prayers. And he's thankful that that girl wasn't his answer to prayer. How many of us are thankful 
that there are unanswered prayers in our life. And the reality is, let me flip that on you. Every prayer has been answered. It just didn't go the way you thought it should. How many people are thankful for those moments? Man, I didn't get the fix I wanted, but I got the direction I needed. Man, maybe that should be the title of this. Instead of the fix-it game, we got the direction game. It's a game we ought to play. Man, I need that direction, Jesus. We're flipping the flow. We're not doing the things we shouldn't do. We're asking Jesus for the direction we need. He is good. He is called. He is aware. He is with us. I promise this is a long message. I promise I just wrote it last night. I promise it wasn't planned, but we're here today. God put it on my heart for a reason. He showed up this morning and said, I know you're not done yet. He's coming through. He's got more. How many people need that direction today? How many people need the more direction? Do you need more this morning? Do you want more this morning? Because Jesus is coming and He's not here yet. He's called us to be urgent, but we need a little more, Jesus. I need a little more, God. I need a little more from You. I need Your hope. I need Your faith. I need Your peace. I need Your comfort. I need Your joy. I need Your joy in the moments of sorrow because the sorrow is coming and I can't stand it. But if I just have Your joy, I know a smile will bring someone out of their pain. I didn't tell them. I just asked the Lord to be the fix through the joy that He's put in my life. I didn't show up. I just listened to them and smiled. And they came through because the Holy Spirit entered their life. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, stay alert. Come on. Everybody, stay alert. Say it. Come on, stay alert. Look at your neighbor. This is the only time I'm going to tell you in this entire message to tell him the fix. Stay alert. Stay alert. Wake up. Stay alert. And it continues and it says this. It says this. You don't have to repeat this. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. It's not the person behind you or in front of you. It's the devil. He's coming after you. He wants to attack you. He wants to destroy you. But check it out. It says he prowls around like a roaring lion. He's loud and vicious. Looking for someone to devour. Come on. You know friends that are being looked at as, hey, the lion's coming for him and it's not the lion of Judah. It's the lion that it's a little kitty cat making a loud noise. His name is the devil and he's trying to devour somebody you know. And all God is saying is this right here. Check this out. Stand firm against him. Man, I'm reminded of a story where Jesus had a man that was dropped through a ceiling and laid at his feet, but it wasn't the faith of the man on the mat that healed him. It was the faith of the friends who stood in place of him. We are called to stand firm in the place of our friends that are looking to be devoured and pray fervently. Remember, it goes on, it says, remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. The person that's going through the suffering is going through the suffering that you already went through or that you're currently going through. Don't fix it. Your fix won't work for them. Don't give them a borrowed fix. Ask them questions to get them to where God's called them. What is it? How is it? And this is why I think questions are so, so important because of this. Verse 10, in His kindness, God called. How many of you have been forced to the call of God? None of us. He asked you. He said, will you go? 
And at some point in your life, you said yes, and you went down a trajectory of ministry in your job, at your house, in your camping tent, whatever. You went on this, this journey And God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, come on somebody, say, it's only a little bit. Check this out. Going through something? It's only a little bit. He will restore. He will support. And He will strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. The rocky soil you have to go over right now is preparing you to stand on a firm ground that you will never leave. The rocky soil, the sandy soil that he's placed you on now where the waves keep on seeming to crash into you, he's called you to withstand because he's got a greater foundation for you. The foundation you're standing on today is only preparing your muscles to stand for a longer time on the solid ground. I want you to think about that. The, the rocky, sandy soil that you stand on, you have to get your balance. You're working your muscles. You're working your muscles. You're working your muscles the whole way through the issue, the situation, the season that you're in. And he's saying, I'm preparing for you to stand on a solid ground for a longer period of time. And you're going to work through it, and you're going to work through it. And when you get to that solid ground, you're going to be stronger than you've ever been. You can stand firm when other people are failing. You can stand firm when other people are walking. You can come over to them and walk on their ground because you have a solid foundation and walk with them through the turmoil of the rocky foundation because everywhere you step, the firm foundation goes with you. How many of us are willing to stop answering the the fix or be the fixes and start to be alert and ready for the enemy to attack not only us but our friends will we direct them to the king he will restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation all power not yours not yours not yours to him forever amen To Him forever, amen. The power God gives you is His. It stays with you. It continues moving in you. But it's not yours. It's His. He's yours. Come on, somebody. Jesus is yours. The Holy Spirit is yours. God is your Father. God is your Dad. God is your Abba. God is yours forever and ever. Jesus is your friend. He is your brother. He is your dad. He is everything you could ever want. The Holy Spirit is here for you. He has resurrected you. He has called you out by name. He is for you. Come on up, honey. I'm going to ask you right now. I'm going to pray a prayer, but I'm going to ask you right now. I'm going to share some things. Jesus Christ did not just die on the cross so you could walk on a rocky soil. He did not come so you could not be supported. He didn't come so you could never find your answers. He came to give you the answers through His presence. He came to give you an ability through His walk. From 0 to 33, when He died on the cross, He showed up, He showed up, He showed up, and He's still showing up in your life. He's calling you out of the muck and the mire. He's calling you out of the pain. He's not saying, I'm going to send you a fix through somebody. I'm going to send you a fix because I've made you strong enough to figure it out. Someone's going to be with you. They're going to walk with you. They're, going to, they're even going to pick you up sometimes, but they can't be that fix. If they become the fix, you just became an addict. 
If they became the fix, you just became an addict because they became your substance. When Jesus said, I alone am the water you need. I am the bread of life. You will never go thirsty again. Remember the woman at the well and the words Jesus said to her, the water I offer will never let you go thirsty again. I am your substance. Be addicted to me. How many of y'all live for Jesus like you're an addict for him? We need to start. Come on. We need to start. I need my fix in the middle of my day. Jesus, as I'm at the cash, cash register and I'm ringing someone up and it's been a hard day, I need, to, I need to just pray, Lord, I need you. It doesn't have to be out loud. That's the cool thing about our minds. We don't got to say it with our lips and our tongues to have Jesus show up in the middle of a transaction. Lord, I need you. Jesus, sometimes that's all you got to say. Call on his name and he will show up. Not, oh man, I got to call my Didi. Didi! Didi, I need your help! Come on now! I can't be like, Jacob! Bro, I'm falling! Jacob will say, you're fired. You need help, you're fired. I got nothing for you. I can't, I can't give J- Jared a call. I can't be like, hey, Jared, bro, I need you right now. In my darkest, deepest moments. Because what I ought to do is not even pick up a phone and say, Jesus. See, Jesus lived a 33-year life on this planet. And you know what he did? He prepared the way for salvation. He came up. He showed up. He lived out loud. He didn't sin. Not one day in his life. Imagine that, parents. If your kid was perfect. Jesus is. I feel so bad for Mary. Because she had a perfect child. Man, how easy would that have been? He was correcting her. She wasn't correcting him. Anybody have kids like that? But the thing is, he was right. She was wrong. He was right every single day of his life. And the Jews, our brothers and sisters that we are grafted into. Y'all, I need you to hear that. Our brothers and sisters we were grafted into put him on the cross. You know the Bible says every time we sin, we put him on the cross. We do it again and again and again. He goes over that torment, that pain, that suffering again and again and again. He goes through the beating and the, the pain again and again and again. Every time we sin, we put him on the cross. We, we throw him to the, the Romans and they whip him and they rip his skin off and they whip, rip his skin off. If I had a photo, I would show you a photo. I don't want that photo up. I don't want people throwing up. But that's what it would be where they would rip his skin off and his ribs were showing and the pain was there. He was crying out, Lord, Lord, forgive them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's put on a cross, crown of thorns shoved onto his head. He's mocked, King of the Jews. 
Oh, how stupid were they? Sorry, if my son was up here, I'd have to say, sorry, I used a bad word. How stupid were they? Because what they were doing right then, and it's not even them. They weren't even the stupid ones. Satan, Satan showed up. He thought he won. He thought he won with that mockery, with that beating, with the spitting, with the gambling of the clothes, with the, with the hanging of him on the cross, with the piercing his side, with the blood running down, with him being put into a grave. Satan thought, I have victory. But what he didn't know is my God lives above death. He lives above the pain. He lives above the torture. And he lives above everything else. And he's able to forgive in the midst of the torture. He's able to forgive. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He's at the right hand of the Father right now. He's saying, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And if you have never prayed a prayer, saying, Jesus, come into my life, something like that. Right now, right where you sit, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to pray that now, out loud, silently, whatever you want. I want you to pray that because the Lord wants to do something in your life right now. He wants to bring you out of the grave and into the sunlight. He wants to kick down death's door on your life and have you come alive spiritually. He wants you to not be the fix for somebody. He wants to be the fix for you. He is your fix. He is your joy. He is your truth. He is your withstanding. He is your strong tower. Someone in this room has been thinking some weird thoughts. I'm going to say a couple things. I don't want, you could trigger. But remember, even as I say these things, Jesus is your answer. Depression has hit your doorway and you've thought suicide. You've thought you're not worthy. You thought you don't have it. People would be better off without you. But God says, no, they would be worse without you because I've created you. I have a plan and a purpose for you. Just withstand with me. He says, withstand with me. Stand through the pain. What I want you to do, and this, I don't want you to be embarrassed. I want you to stand strong on Christ's word. The, the pain won't go away right away. I feel like the Lord said that. He, he's pulling you through it. He's walking you through it. I want you to just stand up. That's me. I need the help of the Father. I need Jesus in my life. I need him to come and conquer some things. He's got a problem and he needs to fix it. It's a God problem. I'm just walking through it. Lord, I pray right now that you would touch everyone's heart. Lord, that you would, you would heal the brokenness, that the depression would go away. Lord, that the, the depression wouldn't stand, Lord, because you have called them by name. You have called them out. They have faith and hope because it lasts forever. Lord, I pray that they already love people. Lord, I pray that they would have the faith and hope that you say will never die. Lord, I, I pray that over their lives. I see it now. There's a great victory ahead. Faith and hope I have. I put my faith in Jesus and my hope is on the horizon. I'm going for it. Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, come into their lives right now. Holy Spirit, come. Be in their lives. Do the supernatural things that we can't do. Lord, don't let anybody try to fix them because, Lord, you are the fix for them. You've got answers. I don't have any answers, and I'm a pastor. Lord, you made me a pastor. Why? I don't got no answers. Jesus, the greatest of great shepherds, the hosts of hosts, 
the King of Kings, the one who gives you freely what He wills. I've called you out of the darkness and into the light. Come and follow me. If you had me for a minute, would you take me forever? That's what Jesus says in this moment. If you had me for a second, would you keep me forever? If you are fighting anxiety, if you're fighting, maybe you're fighting a cold, if you're fighting pain, if you know someone who's fighting pain, I want you to stand to your feet. Whether it's back pain, mental pain, uh, uh, I already said physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. If you know somebody, I want you to stand in the gap. I want you to mentally lower them down in your head at the feet of Jesus because they need it now. You're not being the fix, you're standing in the gap. That man didn't ask for a fix, his friends did. They just pray, Lord, fix him. Heal him. Correct it. Lord, we pray for every single one. We pray that you would show up in their lives, that you would show up, that you would heal it, and we would let go of trying to fix. If you have someone you think needs fixed, if you have someone that you think needs Jesus, I want you to stand up because this is the prayer. This is the time. This is the moment. Lord, I need you to get them. I can't do it. I can only pray. Lord, I've been praying. I've been asking that you would bring them into the light, that they would run from the evil, and they would come into the light of who you are. Jesus, I pray that your understanding of who you are would be in their life today, right now, right here, right this minute. Holy Spirit, mess with them. Because when the Holy Spirit messes with people, he heals them. He makes them whole. He brings them the light of the the life that lived this planet. He shows them the living water. He gives them the living bread. The ones that never end. Jesus, we pray for the empty chair on Thursdays. Lord, we lift up everyone who has lost their way and we give them to you. Lord, anyone who's going through a physical ailment right now, we give them to you. We praise your name. We lift you on high. Lord, even through the pain, Jesus, you get the glory. Come on, everybody. Come on. Jesus, you are my king. You are my ruler. You're my everything. Everything I need everything I ever will need. My want is not your want. My want is your need. Lord, I need you. I need you. Jesus, we thank you for everything you're doing, everything you're going to continue doing, everything you're, you're moving in right now. Holy Spirit, thank you for the patience of this message. Thank you for the words you've given us. Thank you for the direction. Jesus, I pray that you would give us the boldness not to be fixers, but to be directors. Lord, that we would be friends above bosses. That we would be friends above fixers. Lord, we're not the carpenters of lives. You are. You are the carpenter of lives. So, Lord, I pray that you would give me the questions to ask to direct them to the fixer. In Jesus' holy and wonderful name. And all his children said, amen.